0: Lamping here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to PHRA's podcast, P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Lattice and the University of Pittsburgh, Executive MBA Programs, and the Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support, and we'll hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh, Executive MBA Programs, and Center for Executive Education.
1: Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked Executive MBA in Healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pitt.edu slash EMBA Healthcare.
0: In episode six, Pete Schramm, P4 host, and Paul Spradley, co-founder of the Care Based Leadership Collaborative, discuss genuinely caring for people and the difference between caring for versus caring about.
1: Paul Spradley, it's a pleasure uh, to be talking with you today, and I'm excited to learn a lot more about you, what you've been up to, and I think everybody listening uh, is going to have a couple of things that they take away. So uh, welcome to the P4 podcast. Thank you for your time. And the first question, man, is, uh, you know, who are you? Where'd you come from? How'd you get to where you are today?
2: So thanks for having me on the show. First of all, I'm very excited about this. Uh, You've got a great smile, by the way, Pete. Uh, We've been only meeting in pictures. And so your real life smile is not the same as your picture smile. I love your real life one better. Just going to throw that out there. Thank you. I'll take that as the biggest compliment I got all day. Yeah, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. I grew up here. Uh, I, I can't, I was born in North Carolina, so I don't claim North Carolina, but I left when we were three. My dad uh, was working for KDKA TV News. And so that exposed me early to this idea of storytelling. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I grew up in, in the South Hills of Pittsburgh uh, in Beachview and was involved with a lot of different things. Um, but I think one of the things that um, I, I was always interested in people uh, and so when I got into high school, I, I was like, well, what am I going to do next? And sounding the way that I sound, uh, TV news was obviously the next choice. So I, I went to college, uh, Robert Morris University in, in for uh, media production. And then um, my first job out of college was a news reporter in Steubenville, Ohio, where um, I would be the guy on the street saying, whatever you do, don't come outside today because it's freezing. And I'm outside. I'm freezing and I'm telling people don't do what I'm doing. Um, I made very little money. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I I didn't, you you don't have much of a life because you don't have any money to have a life with, but it was great experience. I liked it, I didn't love it. Um, And so I went back and got my master's degree and in that space uh, really started learning that I love the idea of working with people, with young adults in particular, uh, and young people. And so um, that started a, a, a healthy career in education. So I was in higher education. I started the Office of Multicultural Student Services at uh, Robert Morse University, um, and then um, started another Office of Multicultural Student Services out in Adrian, Michigan. So um, this this is really 2006 really began my my career, my understanding around diversity, equity, inclusion. I was still a novice, but, um, you know, I, I, I got involved early on and, and was thinking about ways to Uh, in influence people around um, relationships, right? Like that was at the root of what a lot of the work I was doing. And and I remember, I'll never forget when I started in the office of multicultural student services at Robert Moore's, you have to remember like this was 2006 and or 2007 at the time. And, and um, there weren't a lot of colleges that had like a gay straight alliance on their campus. Right. So I had started a few uh, college or student groups. And, and I remember as we were going through the process, there was uh, one young woman, and she said, "This is so crazy to finally be able to be my authentic self. Like I'm going into my senior year, and this is the first time that I felt like I could be me." And that that like that shook me. Like her statement was so simple and powerful, and just really uh, reflective of her experience. So. You know, this idea of really thinking about the individual. Uh, So even even later on down the road when I, you know, when I was doing diversity inclusion training and and things like that this idea of, yeah, we talk about people but like who's the person behind the people right like and so trying to get people to think about the individual think about the person. Uh, And if you don't know an individual if you don't know a person, what do you have to do to get to know someone right so yeah, so I, you know, I worked in higher education. I worked in, in, in uh, Pittsburgh Public Schools for a bit in their human resources department. Uh, and I was recruiting uh, teachers and, and th- doing things like that. Um, and then, you know, I went back to Robert Morris, was working uh, the Center for Student Success. I was the director. So that was my first uh, time staffing or, or managing a team of people. And that was an incredible experience. I learned a lot about myself. Um, but in that space, I needed guidance from mentors. I got incredible insight on how to be a leader, and, and they really uh, coached me around, you know, skill sets that I already had. So that's a, I like talking about uh, management of people because I, it's something that I do well uh, and something that I was given great insight on. I started my own business. Uh, my wife and I, we started the company's called Care Based Leadership. And uh, so, uh, I start I left higher education. It was a comfortable job. I left and literally was making no money for the first three months because I didn't know how to sell my business. Right. Like I, I but I did know how to network. Um, and so part of that process was getting connected with PHRA and going to the events that they had and things like that. So I, and then I started working with a sales coach who taught me the, the, the understanding, like he taught me how to sell. Things and that literally changed the game. We had a great product. Uh, My wife and I, our company was like the way that we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion is from this idea of care, right? Like, so it's caring for versus caring about. Caring about is just, hey, Pete, how you doing? And you might say, I'm fine. How are you? And I did my due diligence for that day to care about you. Caring for saying, Pete, you don't look so great, man. Like, what's going on? Are you okay? You want to go for a walk? Can I get you some orange juice? Is there something that you might need? So it's much more action-based. And so we've built out this framework uh, that, that really helps people understand the behaviors behind, behind how they connect with people. Going back to that thought again, right? Like, like the person, like how do you connect with the person? And how do you then take that person and then connect with this community? And how do you take the, this community that you've been engaging with and then advocate for this community and, and put practices in place that are just supporting and affirming of that community? So started that company, It uh, started off, um, you know, like a typical startup where we weren't making any money. And then things went very, very well um, after that, because we were able to sell our, our product. And and so my my wife is still running that company now. Um, I was, you know, fortunate and blessed to have an opportunity to be um, to, to help. Uh, I, I was invited to participate in the application process for Dollar Bank. Um, and, um, you know, at the time, I was like, no, I'm, I'm good, actually, like, I like doing this thing here. But I rewrote my mission statement, and it, it talked. I, I rewrote it, and it, the the idea of me having greater impact uh, is what really allowed me to then say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hat into the ring in this in this space, and uh, it worked out well. And so that's kind of my career trajectory up until this point.
1: Okay, so it seems like uh, you're about 85 years old now. Does that sound about right? If we <laughs> look at everything that you've accomplished and all those different uh, positions in and out. geez, RMU must love you. You went there for three different degrees?
2: Uh, two. So I got, I got my master's and uh, my undergraduate degree and I got my doctorate from Pitt.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So we're missing out on a couple of the other schools around town. I guess we're right. going to have to go for some more masters or other <laughs> other doctorates. <laughs> you know, we need we need to, to, to share the love. Paul, I love how you talk about uh, helping people be themselves, talking about people, but truly and and not but and truly understanding the individual through their motivations, their behaviors and who they really are. And I've never really heard about that care for us or caring for versus caring about. So I hope as you answer these next couple of questions, you kind of give us some examples of, now if I was in this position, this would be more of the caring for, and this is more of the caring about. Because a big piece that everybody that's listening to this, how can we start doing some of these things in our daily lives? So as you're able to help us, which you've been doing for years and years, put a couple of tools in our toolbox that we can actually take out and, and, and try to use uh, today, this week. Um, but the first question, Paul, I want to ask you is, you know, you're in this space of HR, you're in the, 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 uh, you know, kind of arena of people, biggest trend that's impacting the HR world right now. What is it?
2: I, I would say there's, there's a few, but I think the one that, that most intersects with my world is, uh, recruiting of diverse talent. Um, I see that, um, just as a, as a, as a trending issue, not only from a frontline perspective, but executive employees. Uh, and then even, you know, with the board, like I, I was doing, a, I let, I was on a conversation just last week uh, with uh, with a group in town where we were talking about what does it mean for the board to recruit diverse talent into their board? And so I, I think the idea, so when you talk about caring, for versus caring about. Caring about is saying, I put my job description on this diverse website. I did my job. I did, that's like bare minimum. Like there's this diversity jobs or whatever it is. I put my, my job description on the Urban League's website. And now I'm just gonna sit back and wait for people to come and apply for that job. That's, that's caring about. I cared enough about uh, getting to this community that I put something on that website. Caring for, again, it's action-based, means that you are looking to build a relationship with the Urban League uh, or diversity jobs and, and say, hey, um, here we have this opportunity, but before that, is there something that we could do to help you out? Like, is there something that we could do to lift your name, to amplify your name, your cause? Is there an event that you have that you just, you're looking for attendance? Is there a way that we can support you? It's really what it means to be a, like a good neighbor, right? Like a good partner. And just thinking about ways to do that, and so you could look at that from a high level, and then you could also take that down to the to the micro level and say, um, you know, I'm I know we have these positions to fill, but if I could build a relationship with this one organization uh, and get to know them and see if there's uh, someone that I can connect them to in the community that's going to help their mission and their cause, and what you're doing is 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 that that care for is getting to know who they are, right? Like that's, you are having a connection that you wouldn't otherwise have. And so this idea of uh, like a transactional relationship of, you know, I'm gonna put this out here and you're gonna apply for this job, like that. that is a way of doing human resources. But I think that um, as the job market is shrinking, as not the job market, but as, as uh, positions, as the workforce is shrinking, um, being creative and thinking about how you're building relationships will be a game changer in a smaller pool, right? Like if I am in the Hispanic community and you've done nothing to intentionally get to know me and reach out to me, why would I wanna work for you? When there's this other organization who's very similar, who's taken the time to come to our community heritage day, right? Like they've taken the time to let us know about ways to improve our uh, circumstance in this community by taking advantage of these resources, that action is an example of caring for in this recruitment space.
1: So I love how you talked about transactional and right as you were uh, saying that word, I, I was writing it down and people can feel whenever it's, hey, this is what I need to accomplish. Let's do this, do this, do this, do this. Boom, done, hang up the phone. And that's not really enjoyable. And people like to do business with you know, folks that they like being around. Why can't Absolutely. we have fun while we're in the office, right? Just because, you know, we're talking to the, the, the VP of diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't mean that Dr. Paul Spradley doesn't also like to have fun, build these relationships and think win-win. And I think that's the biggest, you know, kind of takeaway and things, thing that folks need to, you know, get back to, right? At the end of the day, we're people and to be real with other people and to be you know genuine with other people is so very important and what you just mentioned probably takes a little bit more than 40 hours a week right to be in the community to be doing these different things to support one another so sometimes you know it goes beyond that 9 to 5 in the office but you know you sort of develop yourself as an individual and it's kind of walk in the walk, but also talk in the talk. What are some of the different organizations that you've built those relationships with around town, Paul?
2: So I just I like people in general, right? And so I, I kind of start from there, just as a broad umbrella. But uh, when whether I'm coaching or doing executive coaching, or you know even in our business, what we'll say is you know think about whose voices are not at the table. And so it might be it might be women, uh, it might be people with disabilities, it might be people of color, it might be the black community, it might be the Nepali community out in Carrick. Uh, it might be the Hispanic community. And so I, there's there's a lot of options of thinking about who's not in the room. And I would just say, start with one of those spaces. And if you were to say, uh, I'm going to start with the Black community, well, who are three or four organizations that are supporting the Black community in my lane? So whatever your business is, if it's, uh, if it's a law firm, uh, if it's, uh, you know, if you make healthy meals, like whatever you do, figure out who are some partners that you can just uh, build a relationship with in your lane. So I've, I, my list is fairly long, it's, it's fairly comprehensive because like I said, I like meeting people, but I also, um, I, I see all of these communities as, as being a part of one big community. So I try to go out of my way to figure out who the, and the term that I learned uh, in sales is center of influence, right? Like, so who's the center of influences in the black community? Well, the Urban League is one of them. You know, there's there's a Homewood Children's Village. There's, there's And you could do a Google search and really figure out who some of the the, the, the major players are. Um, and then one of the things that I do at networking events, so when I went to the first uh, event with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, got to know Melanie, I said, Melanie, who are three people here that I should get to know that are in this community? And she said, well, you should get to go, you, uh, you should get to meet Monica uh, Oprah. Casa San Jose. And so she pointed out people that I should meet and then I met them and then I followed up with them. And then I said, how can we just be in relationship? I don't want anything from you on the front end. I just want to be in relationship. And then I move on, right? Like to the, and I say like, all right, so who are the, who are the major players uh, who's supporting people with disabilities? And, and Joyce Bender's name comes up a lot. So you start there and say, Joyce, who are two or three people that I should build relationships with that you think I should know? And just move down from that and ask each person that you meet with, or two or three people I should get to know. Um, It's going to be important to keep a a, a good CRM or, you know, Rolodex, whatever it is that you're going to use, because again, you don't want this to be transactional and reach out to folks when you need them. Uh, You want to have an ongoing relationship and you won't be able to go to everything, but responding with an email that says, I can't attend this event, but please keep inviting me has much more weight than not hearing from a person for two years and then saying, Hey, we have this fundraiser. We'd love for you to be the present so it looks diverse, right? Like that's that's inauthentic. That's going back to the transactional
1: piece. So I, yeah. I, I love it. Paul, I thought we were gonna be talking about HR today. You're giving us all these life lessons. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting, getting our money's worth and then some. So through a couple of those last uh, few points you shared uh, was around d- diversity and inclusion, walking the walk and talking the talk. And you've been, I, I don't know that I know many people that have been in this space since 2006. So talk us through a little bit more about one thing that we can positively do, um, you know, to impact diversity and inclusion. You mentioned just just recently, right, looking around the table and thinking, uh, you know, does everybody have a seat? Paul, what if I'm in an office or an environment where I might not even know what all those seats are? You know, what's one thing that we can do to to better understand and positively impact uh, DEI?
2: Yeah, so I, I think that the number one thing that an organization can do to have deep and immediate impact is assessment. Um, there are um, assessment, there are organizations, there are consulting companies like Care Based Leadership that do assessments for you that will come in and, and ask your, your employees questions. There are things that you can find online for free if you wanted to just uh, have a place to start where you wanted to just ask some questions of your team. But you, you have to know where you're growing from. And a lot of times people are guessing. They've never actually asked their employees how they feel. Like, do you do you feel like you belong in this organization? Do you feel like we care for you? Do you feel like we have your best interest in mind? And what are the ways that we could address that? A lot of times folks have never asked that. They, there's this assumption, right? Like we've had people stay for a long time, so we just assume. But an assessment will give you a playbook. It, it Well, it should give you a very clear just Here's where you are. uh, And here's where you can go from that. I think that if you are a member of like, you know, vibrant Pittsburgh, there's an assessment there. Um, The national diversity council does an assessment that's similar. Um, You know, we have offices in Cleveland. So the greater Cleveland partnership does an assessment that's similar. And that's all a part of that, or just being a part of that organization. I think that if you just, if you did nothing else, you had no, no funding, no budget, but you wanted to start getting an assessment, um, allows you to reap multiple benefits right? you get to know where you are and, and where your gaps currently are, or at least a few of your gaps. Um, there, it, it essentially gives you a roadmap. It, it'll say like, here's some gaps and your next step in this hiring space should be to blank. Right. Or if you have a very, uh, if you don't have a diverse team and you don't have a lot of room to hire people, your next step should be figuring out how to, uh, build a community or a a council with people in the community who you can then listen to their voices, right? You provide them a meal, ask them some questions about your service and how you can improve that so that you're hearing more voices at the table, pay people where possible, right? Like, hey, here's $25 just for giving us, uh, you know, an hour and a half of your time. And then you can do a follow-up assessment a year later and and, and measure growth, right? Like you you could say we're gonna work on these three or four things, And let's see what happens and let's see how that impacts our organization, right? Like, so an assessment can, I mean, there's so many benefits. It can be anonymous, right? Like you, people don't have to write, put their name on it. They could take this assessment, um, which is creating a sense of agency, right? Like you've given me the agency to use my authentic voice by asking me these questions that I don't have to put my name on. So I can be honest, I get, you've given, you've entitled me to a sense of agency to do this work as a participant as a as a member of the of your organization so you know I think all of these things make it a singular fantastic one tool like I have lots of things that you could do to get involved but if you were just going to do one um, I think having an assessment will give you the greatest bang for your buck oh I think we could talk for a couple of hours here
1: but I us do know it let's just talk for listen. a couple hours <laughs> We can, we can keep going. So you just gave me a whole bunch of ideas there. So there's going to be lots, lots of follow up for sure. And it's it's clear that whenever it comes to uh, the, the way you go about business, you, you begin with the end in mind, but you also think about the real person on the other side. And there's only so much that you can learn from a book, which you learned a lot from many different books over these years. Uh, but then there's a, a kind of People piece of it, the the street smarts, the emotional intelligence, IQ versus EQ, and so this next piece gets into a little bit of that EQ and maybe some people that have kind of guided you on on what to do along the way. Uh, but whenever it comes to people that know other people really well, you know, give us one or two folks that come to mind uh, that you know maybe have guided you, uh, but also that you sort of look up to whenever it kind of goes beyond uh, the, 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 book and what the book says.
2: Yeah. So I, so relationships are, are important for me and I'm always learning from people. So I, I deeply believe in the idea of mentoring or learning from people, but it, that person doesn't always have to be older than me uh, or more senior than me. So the first person I'm going to give you two, the first person, uh, his name is Micah. And I don't know if we're allowed to say his last name, but he's, he's here in Pittsburgh, uh, and is a great guy. You should find him on LinkedIn. Um, Micah interviewed for a job for me uh, when I was at Robert Moore's and he did something that I'd never seen done in an interview. Um, and it was actually, I, I told him once I hired him, I was like, you know, the reason that I, I hired you is because you did something that was so profound I asked him a question and he took maybe 20 seconds before he answered. Like he, he's, he leaned back, he looked up, looked around, lean forward and then answer the question. And I said, I've never seen someone so thoughtful in my life. And here's why that's valuable to me as an employer uh, around your emotional intelligence, because I know you're going to do that with students, right? Like we're in the business of making sure that students are feeling heard and then moving from a a C to a, a, a B and a B to an A, like that was what our, that work was about. And I was like, and I know I could trust you to I don't have to be in the same space as you because you'll think through this so I think that was an incredible example of emotional intelligence he's continued to do that in our relationship right like we'll sit down and I'll say I'll ask him like what do you think about this and he'll do like he'll just he'll process it and then he'll tell me well first my mind was going this way but then I kind of asked myself this question in my head and it was kind of so and, and I I very much appreciate that I think that that is a fantastic way of being able to connect and getting to understand people is by slowing down the need to respond right away. So that's very high IQ for me. Um, then the next person, um, I'm gonna call him Dr. Charles, uh, again, because I don't know if we're allowed to say the first or last names, but um, he, was a, he was a faculty member of mine when I was getting my, um, my master's degree. And he was a superintendent here for a large school district uh, in, in western Pennsylvania. I've, I've since lost touch with him, but he did a few things that I just deeply admired that I think when you think about the sort of the, the, the breadth of emotional intelligence, him and Micah are on the, like it's on the same continuum, right? Like just of being present with people. He could be in a crowded room and there would be bunches of people saying hello to him because he know, you know, folks know who he is, right? He was a big deal and he would never break, if you were talking to him, he would never break eye contact with you. He was, he was right here with you. There's so much stuff that's going on around you. And so you as the speaker might be looking around yourself. He, he never broke eye contact. I thought that was fantastic. He was very aware of himself as a leader. So he understood, um, you know, I've, I've got this position I'm in this large district or I had it. And so I know how people think about me. Uh, he was very aware of others. He, he would arrive early. Uh, at the school that he worked at, to spend time talking to the janitorial staff and creating space for them to to ask questions about maybe decisions that he made, or even just to to talk about things that have made them upset. Right? Like we, we don't provide space for for people to do that, and he did. He would make sure that he, in addition to doing that same thing with his his educators and with his administrative staff, he would he would do that with the cafeteria workers and he would do that with the janitorial staff, which is something that leaders don't have to do, right? They have other folks that should be going out and doing that, but he did that. That was part of what made him special. And, and he did that with everyone uh, in the organization. So I, I, think that, I think that what both of those folks did, what Micah and uh, Dr. Charles did is they, um, they, they had the capacity to slow down everything that was going on around and really focus on the person that they were engaging with, that they were dealing with. And I think that, that that really, I think I love that so much because it ties into like my philosophy, right? Like the same way that I think about diversity, equity inclusion of thinking about, of really just understanding and connecting with the person. Um, they practice this in different ways and they've taught me things about how to, how to be present for people.
1: Yeah, prioritize the person that is present to truly understand the individual doesn't mean I
2: thought you're going to have a few more peas after that. Right. But then yeah.
1: yeah, by 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 Paul and Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a, I, I love it. And this is kind of how I was raised. Right. So grew up on a farm in, in, in Butler. And, you know, it was, hey, you, you always hold the door for somebody else. You always say thank you, no matter if it's the CEO of the organization or the guy that's cleaning up the floors at the end of the day. And you know what? That matters. And as you keep working your way up in the organization, going up the food the food chain, it's kind of lead by example. And people will watch you and they'll observe. And there's a book that one of the uh, you know old executives from Walt Disney World wrote. Uh, I forget what it's called. But in the book, they talk about leading by example. And if a person walks by a piece of trash at Disney World three times and somebody sees them walk past it three times and they're like, huh if the leader of the organization didn't do something the right way, maybe I don't have to do it the right way. So, so incredibly crucial, what you just mentioned, those guys, right? He said he was very well respected in the community. He probably doesn't have to take time to say hi to the guy cleaning the floor, right? That's not in his job description. He doesn't have to do that kind of thing. Paul, how many different people do you say hello to on a daily, weekly basis that, you know, maybe the person who was in your position before they they might not have even known they existed, maybe one, no. maybe ten, maybe a hundred. Because you do it in the office and out of the office. Because you're prioritizing meeting people and meeting them where they are. It's phenomenal. Yeah, thank you. Right. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of, of of course. Like I said, we we got we got a whole lot more to dig into here. Um uh, we'll three talk about
2: real quick. The, you said you you your alliteration was prioritizing
1: nice. just... the person that is present. Wow. Prioritizing the person that is present. I like that. Well, you, you said it. <laughs> so, Paul, talk a little bit more. Uh, you know, you mentioned Micah and you, you mentioned, uh, what did you say, doc, Dr. Charles. Um, were either of them a, a mentor or did you become a mentor to one of them? You mentioned that word earlier. Uh, you know, kind of what's who have the mentors been in, in your career kind of guiding you along the way?
2: Yeah, so Dr. Charles was one of my mentors, uh, and I, I actually am currently mentoring Micah. Uh, and again, love loved the idea of, of learning from people. Um, I, I, once I realized what a mentor was, I've made it a priority to have uh, multiple mentors who are mentoring me uh, and multiple peers who I am, uh, you know, they, they say surround yourself with like-minded people. I see that as mentoring also right like if I'm hanging out with folks that are visionaries that want to go places that are challenging the status quo that is peer to peer mentoring. And then I also mentor right like I, I look to just genuinely invest in people and, and Mike is one of those those young people younger adults, um, but I still like a lot of my staff that was new. Um, when I was at Robert Morris the the second time I I'm still mentoring right like we still get together once a quarter. And they tell me how they're navigating things professionally or they'll they'll ask questions or I have people reach out and say, hey, I'm in this situation. What do you think? Um, And I have helped people work through those things because I've had people do that for me. And it also keeps me sharp in in understanding this idea about really focusing on people. Um, You know, when you the more that you're picking up and learning about these different situations, it builds on your 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 repertoire, if you will, so that the next person that comes through and they say, hey, I've got this really unique situation. I might say, you know what, That's, that is unique, but it's not unique for me because I've had this other person go through a similar thing. Here's what happened with them. Here's what worked, here's what didn't work, right? Like So I, I see, All I, I just I wonder what would happen if we understood each other as an as a interconnected web that we literally needed each other to get to the next level. Right. Like what if what would happen if we all thought that if we all understood each other, not as a person that we needed to be above, but as a person that we needed to collectively lift up. And I need to invest in you, Pete, so that you you're, you're your best version of yourself, because then you're going to you're going to lift up like one of my daughters down the road just because we have a relationship and you have access in this other space. Like if we understood each other as connected like that that's game-changing man like that's that's life world changing if our city if our neighborhood understood the people in it as everyone is we're we're all interconnected we need to all lift each other up in order for us all to like win right like but we that's wishful thinking because there's this idea of like i need to get mine right it's very much this american thought of i've got to get mine and it, it makes it tough and so we when we think like that we make those decisions that are not favorable for other people in professional workplaces. Like when I say others, I mean like people that don't look like you or think like you, we don't make favorable decisions for that person because we're not thinking about them.
1: Okay, I got a couple of goosebumps on each arm over here now. Jeez, oh man, man. <laughs> I, I, I love it. So I, I we are way more aligned than, than I, I, I thought, Paul. Uh, it's yeah, exciting and it's uh, exhilarating uh, and refreshing uh, to hear how your energy levels. I don't know if there's a way we can see what the, <laughs> what the audio looked like over that, but man, did it just spike up whenever you got uh, into talking about that piece. So yes, yes yes uh i'm here to help you the phra community is here to help you and and make it possible and there's a lot of great initiatives going on around town um, that you know are uh pushing forward picking everybody up together it's not about i or you or me it's about us right everybody coming together um paul that those are the main questions i want to get into a little bit of rapid fire so Bring I'm going to ask on. you a couple of questions. I, I know you're ready for this. And uh, to, to the, the regular guest, I might say the first thing that comes to mind, uh, you, you get about 10 seconds to reply. Paul, we're going to take you one step further, right? So you have five, five seconds for each of these okay. responses. Uh, we want to learn a little bit more about you and, and what's on your mind. First one, start super simple. Uh, what's, what's the book that you're reading right now and or a book or two that you recommend that we all put on our, re- our reading list?
2: Uh, the book that I recommend is Will Smith's book, Will. Um, and the reason that I recommend it is, and I specifically recommend it for men because he goes some places that um, I've, I've understood through counseling, but a lot of men that I talk to, that a lot of men that I mentor, they just they don't have the, the emotional IQ to go there, uh, to be present with themselves. And so he, he does that very well in his book. And I would recommend the audio book Okay, got it.
1: Uh, You mentioned some of the the work around DEI. Are there one or two places that we can go to understand kind of what's the latest and greatest and get the facts? Is there a website, resource, other entity where we can go to just learn and immerse ourselves?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, so my one, my quick answer is Google, Uh, you know, just typing in, because I think that people are afraid to just put in a Google search and see what comes up, right? Like, but that you could do it for everything else, and you could also do it for hard things. Um, So I I don't have one space only because there's so many great resources, but I would tell folks, uh, if you're looking for a place to start, uh, TED Talks, like they have curated lists around diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, And then, you know, YouTube, if you know what you want to have your conversation about, there are already conversations that have happened. You just need to know the topic. And even just saying, where do I start with diversity, equity, inclusion? type that into Google, see what comes up, see what videos comes up. Um, there's, there's, there's good things that are out there. And, and I think for folks that need to start, starting is, is the most important step.
1: Yep, pointing in the right direction. And if you Google uh, DEI near me, uh, resources, uh, I, I'm sure that you have an optimized search engine optimization SEO for care-based <laughs> leadership near, near me. <laughs> I, I swear we we didn't plan that ahead of time. All right, one or two networking groups. You mentioned just getting out there and, and meeting new individuals. Um, if this is the first time being here, we talked about PHRA. We talked about some of the chambers of commerce. You know what was helpful for you, or if you're somebody new just coming into town, where can we go and, and connect and meet some new folks?
2: Yeah, so I, again, I would start with um, the chambers of commerce and the, the trick that I would that I did is I would say, hey, who are two or three people I need to need to know that I need to get to meet and just ask for two or three because that's manageable. But then um, I would go into, um, you, you know, for as from a networking perspective, um, organizations like Vibrant Pittsburgh, they host a lot of networking receptions, but they because of how they're connected so deeply to the community. You could say, Hey, I'm really interested in connecting with the uh, community that serves people with disabilities. What, like, is there a networking opportunity for that? Um, there are things that are on Eventbrite. Like, when I started my business, I just needed to get out there. And so I would say, What are some free events that I could go to? I literally went to the open house party for a therapist, and everyone in there kept saying, How do you know the therapist who's starting this practice? It's like, I don't. It was on Eventbrite. I was free the night. And so, uh, I'm here with some business cards, right? Like um, just getting out to meet people, I think is is going to be, and, and, you know, there's a lot of folks still doing things virtually, but you have to, you have to know what, what lane you want to be in, right? Is it corporate? Is it nonprofit? Uh, and who the centers of influence are in that space. Cool. Paul, as we wrap up, uh, you know,
1: I got to say, thank you. Uh, for, for your time today. And also, as we were preparing for this, I asked a couple of folks around town, uh, hey, who is this uh, you know, Paul Spradley guy? We've never met in person. Uh, but you know, some of the feedback that I got from them uh, was along the lines of, you know, he, he's the real deal. You know, you're going to enjoy your time with Paul. Uh, I wish that I could spend more time uh, with Paul Spradley. We need more Pauls in Pittsburgh.'" <laughs> in Pittsburgh. there you go some more peace um but the the overarching theme was that you've made a positive impact in this area and that we're fortunate and grateful to to have you here and keep it up and that more folks want to support you and and continue to do these kinds of great things very cool paul th- thank you so much so it's interesting uh, that, you, you know, you, you could have gone the, the, the newscaster route, and you had the, the, the lineage, if you will, uh, but you decided to impact lives in a different way. And whether it started off in Ohio, but then kept coming back to Robert Morris in Pittsburgh, uh, influencing people around relationships is a common theme that came out many, many times throughout uh, our interaction here. And I think going back to 2006, whenever you got exposed and initially integrated to the DEI space, it's remarkable to see how you've kept building and building and building and preaching about the goodness and just working with the facts, right? And saying, hey, this is what it's all about is taking care of people and being real with one another, helping people be themselves and understanding who they are as individuals to build that sense of belonging. On an academic on on an academic side, but then also with a startup, right? You kind of fueled this and said, "Hey, this is my passion entirely," and build a whole business around it. So I'm excited to continue uh, to to learn more and keep following you. Thanks again for your time today, Paul. And uh, you know we we look forward to everything else that comes ahead.
2: Thanks, Pete. It's been a real pleasure.
3: In a world where businesses are coming to terms with the demands of employee choice, solutions to improve workplace culture are crucial. Businesses of all sizes are doing everything they can to attract and retain top talent during this unprecedented time. Connection to the team, a sense of belonging, and a feeling of purpose rank high in the needs of today's work from anywhere society. Sound familiar? At Lattice, we understand the importance team building and positive employee-employer relationships have on the success of a workplace. Done well, top-down and peer-to-peer knowledge sharing can unlock new levels of productivity and profitability to create a culture of cohesive collaboration. Ongoing high-quality connections reduce burnout and mitigate mental health issues. More important now than ever with social isolation on the rise. Lattice is a tool to make internal employee engagement easier and much more impactful for the entire organization. Lattice is a proven secure workplace solution that is easy to implement for organizations of all sizes. So, what are you waiting for? Let's Lattice.
0: The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers. Until next time, thank you for watching and thank you for listening.